as we talk about the salary cap and Kirk Cousins and you know extend or trade or all of this stuff, there's an elephant in the room. Is that dude even good? Let's investigate here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And, um... Today's going to be a Kirk Cousins one, so if you're not into that, we'll, we'll, we'll come back around to other stuff, don't you worry, but today today's going to be a Kirk Cousins one. Uh, here is the question that I set out to answer. Is Kirk Cousins a Super Bowl caliber quarterback? This is the question that every Vikings person everywhere is trying to answer. I'm going to use stuff from the QB annual. In reality, this is my let's go over the QB annual information and see what information we can glean from it. Um, But I also think this is like a good yearly exercise. Look, I've been very vocal. Not a Kirk Cousins uh, guy. Not into him. He's he's not my favorite dude. Uh, Not my favorite quarterback. And I don't think that the, the, the Vikings are good with him. But every year, I think it's a good idea to discard your opinion. And go back through the information from scratch, try your best to get rid of your preconceived notions, your hypotheses, your whatever, and just say, look, here's the information. What does it tell me? And look, if your original idea was right, then you're going to come up with the same opinion again, right? And if your original opinion was wrong, this is a great chance to correct yourself. So I invite you all to do the same with me, whatever your opinion of Kirk Cousins, if you think he's just the top five quarterback and he just hasn't had the right surroundings, or if you think he's like a a top 20 quarterback and he's totally holding the team back, whatever extreme you fall on, join me in discarding that. And let's just look at the 2021 season and see, okay, what kind of quarterback play did we get? And what we can do is really focus on not only, hey, is this guy good enough? But also, how do we make this guy good enough? And in that way, we're thinking in like Kevin O'Connell's shoes, who has talked a whole bunch about how he wants to build around cousins and blah, 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 though he's been a little wishy-washy about it. Um, He was asked on a CBS Sports radio show about like, hey, can you say definitively that Kirk Cousins will be the quarterback in training camp? And his answer was training camp's a long way away. And then he went into a whole bunch of stuff about like, but you know, we're really excited to build an offense around him and blah, blah, blah. That kind of all felt like a backpedal to me. Um, But I really think it's just like a guy that says, I don't know, man, like a lot of stuff can happen, right? (laughs) Like who cares? We're not even close to that. We're just trying to figure out, you know, who's what we're going to do with the salary cap and free agency. So instead of working ourselves bare, trying to read the tea leaves or whatever, let's just talk about, let's assume that Kevin O'Connell's position is the one that he has stated, which is I want to build around Kirk Cousins. And I think I can build a contender out of that. Right. And let's interrogate that and say, okay, can you? And if you can, what does that look like? And I think the QB annual from PFF can can help us do that because they have all kinds of cool charting information and stuff that we can use. And the first thing from the 2021 season that I want to talk about with Kirk Cousins, um, and by the way, I'll, I'll link the QB annual in the show notes. You need a subscription to PFF to see it, but that's probably worth it, um, is the first thing I want to look at is the route map. If you're watching on YouTube, by the way, I'll put this up on the screen. If not, I'll, I'll be descriptive. Um, so... One thing that the first thing that I noticed when I looked at the QB annual 
was I looked at the route chart, which is it's like a heat map for where routes ended up, right? Like which routes that they ran and, and where was the target supposed to be? And it was like how frequent all that stuff was. So for example, the Clint Kubiak system, the most commonly run route was a hitch at about five yards right about on the right hatch. And the second most common route was a hitch at about five yards just outside the left hash. Um, and if you look at where these routes come together, you see a lot of stuff at about the five yard mark, which kind of makes sense. There were a lot of slants and curls and little short, quick passes. And then a, a, another kind of big red spot, a hot spot at like 15 to 20 yards um, just outside the hashes. And what I notice about that is that it looks exactly like a cover two coverage start. Those are exactly the places that cover two uh, covers Th those that attacks nothing about cover two, like against cover two, a, a, a um, play design that looks like that. That's got like two routes at 15 yards deep and then maybe a couple of routes kind of attacking right at about the hashes at five yards is going to go to the five yard route like every single time, because that's where there might be a seam in cover two and you might get a quick completion for five yards and like, sure, that works on first down, set up a second and four, and I guess that's fine. Um, but that is a terrible way to run an offense where all they have to do is is run cover two and you will never throw deep. Um, uh, uh, they didn't attack the seams even close to average. They didn't attack the sidelines even close to average, despite having Justin Jefferson. It was that it's, it's, it's malpractice. And so that really, it, I know it's the quarterback annual, but it is truly an indictment of Clint Kubiak and his offense and the spatial component of his offense that I criticized a lot, but had a really hard time articulating my criticism. This is it. It is that it's the spaces that Kubiak chose to attack were a little bit nonsensical because they're particularly easy spaces to defend if you are a too high defense. And there are a ton of too high defenses in the league. One high defenses, I think, are still more common, but two high defenses are getting so much more common. They're, they're getting back to the halfway point um, as every offense tailors itself to attack one high. There's so much too high that just like committing to only one high was a big mistake. Now, next to this heat map is a heat map of Cousins's actual targets. So we've seen where he could have thrown the ball. What about where he could actually throw the ball? And the hot spot you see immediately is behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> he threw a ton behind the line of scrimmage. Now, some of these were designed but a lot of them weren't. And so this goes into the like check down Kirk narrative, which we have to gather a little bit more information before we interrogate that. So just put a pin in that. Keep that in your mind. Um, he also attacked up the seam more than average. So you have this incongruity where you had a scheme that did not send nearly enough routes up the middle of the field, you know, 15 to 20 yards up the middle of the field. But when there was a, a throw up the middle of the field, 15 to 20 yards, Kirk Cousins would be more interested in making it. And so that is, again, it's a big, the, these heat maps are going to reflect, I think, a little bit more in the scheme than the quarterback. And it kind of tells you, okay, you had this, you, you had a, a way for Kirk Cousins to be more aggressive. And what this really looks like to me is like a backside dig route uh, or a frontside dig route or a post route or something, something, you know, breaking over the middle where he's running across the middle of the field deep and you can find that. And there's usually a way that that attacks coverages really well. Um, and Kubiak just didn't do enough of those. 
And when he did, like the fact that he didn't run enough of those and yet Cousins still targeted them more than league average um, tells you a lot about the missed opportunity there. So if you want to buy into Kevin O'Connell, you just have to say, oh, Kevin O'Connell will just run a crap ton of backside dig routes and and take advantage of, of that particular uh, tendency that Kirk Cousins has. And boom, you've gotten the offense to be more aggressive. Yay. As long as you can block for it, which is the next thing we have to talk about. Uh, but first, let me talk to you about a good old gramble. Uh, look, it's um, not football season anymore, but it's still uh, basketball season. Maybe baseball season will start up. Maybe it's tennis, golf, MMA, whatever. You can bet on all that stuff at Bet Online. It is your one-stop shop for all things Gramblin'. Uh, Bet Online has a player props builder, so you can build your parlays or whatever. That's really cool. They have a live betting apparatus that's really fun to play around with. So head on over to BetOnline.net and get yourself a Gramblin' at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. I hope you're watching on YouTube, especially for a show like this, where uh, there's going to be some visuals that'll maybe help you out. Um, but you should also watch the Locked On NFL podcast on YouTube. They are, we are, I'm, I'm on it on Tuesdays. Um, so go just for Tuesdays, go check out YouTube, Locked On NFL. I do that with Ross Jackson, uh, who does Locked On Saints. And yes, I rib him all the time about the couple of playoff wins the Vikings have gotten against the Saints in the last few years. So tune in for that. So if you follow people who broke down the QB annual well before I did, I'm like way late to this game. Uh, but I think the, the thing you probably saw a ton was grade from clean pocket versus grade under pressure. So the, the pro football focus grades from a clean pocket, Kirk Cousins ranked first in the league. So when there was no pressure, pro football focuses take is that Kirk Cousins was the most effective quarterback in the league when there was no pressure. And when there was pressure, he dropped to 17th. He dropped all the way to the middle of the pack when there was pressure. Uh, now, I, I haven't gone through and looked at what everybody else's drop-off is. And, of course, there's going to be some kind of drop-off under pressure, but this uh, the, the grade would theoretically um, adjust for that, right? Uh, because everybody else is going to experience the drop-off. And, and something I might do at a, at a future date is just go scrape all of the um, EPA numbers for under pressure versus clean and ask, you know, what was his drop off? And I did that for last year. And he ranked, I think, like 23rd in clean production versus under pressure production. So he had a a bigger than average drop off from when things were clean to when things were under pressure. And therefore, it leads me to conclude he is a below average pressure eraser. And this definitely looks like that. I would want to look at the EPA numbers specifically to get specifics. But dropping from first in the league to middle of the pack seems like a pretty big drop off. Um, so, okay, great. Why does that happen? And, and this is where PFF sort of stretches its limits. And we as just individuals can go a little bit further than PFF can because they're trying to do every player on every play um, where we can kind of say, all right, we understand what's happening there. And I broke it down every single game. Go back to the post game uh, Wednesday episodes where I, I watched tape and stuff and talked about Kirk Cousins, um, where you can see like something that that PFF won't necessarily capture in a lot of its metrics is the thing where you get a 10 yard completion that could have been a 25 yard completion. And as people, we can look at that and say, ah, the post was there. He could have gotten a lot more and 10 is fine, but he could have got more. And we can log that in our brains as a thing where it's like, ooh, meat left on the bone. Okay. Um, and, it, and it worked out okay, but there's meat left on the bone. And we can uh, like parse that out. We can think about that and see... That is a concept. 
and we can parse that out. Um, to, to quote Quasiadofamensa, that's that complex higher order thinking humans are really good at. Um, but charting and algorithms and stuff are not going to be as good at that higher order thinking. It's just going to see eh, 10 yard completion. That's probably a pretty good play. And then like grade him up for it. And that's not just a hypothesis. That is what we see in a lot of the data. For example, this is something that really stuck out to me. And it also says something about the scheme. Um, time to throw. They have a big giant table of, of time to throw. Was it two and a half seconds or less or two and a half seconds or more? And two and a half seconds was like the cutoff between like a, a quick throw and a, and a longer throw. In previous years, Kirk Cousins has thrown longer developing plays. They've had, you know, uh, like half of the plays have been two and a half seconds or more, 47%, 46%. And this year, it was 42%. It was much less. And it actually looked a lot more similar to the John Filippo offense of 2018. And that tracks with something that I've been saying for a while. This is not a good or a bad thing necessarily. It's just a, a different plan of attack where in 2021 and in 2018, they opted for more spread concepts, for more spacing, double stick, dragon, that kind of stuff. Um, where there's slants, where it's three-step drop and go, quick game to try to help the offensive line. Um, there are kind of two directions you can go when you have a struggling offensive line. You can either try play action, bootleg, make it so that the offensive line's block doesn't matter because hopefully the lineman, the, the pass rusher totally float away from the play, or you can try to make the, the pass rush not matter by saying three steps, balls out, there's no way you're ever going to have time to get there, right? And some teams do one, some teams do the other. There's pros and cons to each. Um, don't worry too much about, about that. But for Kirk Cousins, the play action thing has always been a better fit for his skill set because his skill set, he's very remarkably good at plays where he has to turn his back to the defense. That makes things harder, and he is particularly good at overcoming that. And he's also really good at throwing, at the, throwing on the run. That's his deal. Um, so... That is why the wide zone play action thing has always been so good at that. And they went way away from that in 2021. And I think that even though you got a really good statistical season from him and he graded really high and all that stuff, I think that really hamstrung the offense because that's just not the best use of Kirk Cousins' skills. And if Kevin O'Connell is going to do that as well, and he's talked about wanting to do that, he's um, he, he lost a job in Washington because he didn't want to run as much play action. Um... If that's the case, you know, I'm kind of with Solomon Wilcox. Talk to me about this at the Super Bowl. He's, he, if he wants to just go fully rhythm, I'm a little worried about that. And that's part of why I don't really love this fit and why I've been critical of the move. And I think a big reason for that is because these quick hitting spread concepts, if they don't work, they are really, really fragile to getting out of structure and out of structure is the last place we want Kirk Cousins to be. He does not function out of structure. That's like the most famous thing about him, right? We do not want him out of structure. We want a structure that is as resilient as possible. And then we can train him into that structure. And if, you know, you can make every scenario into an if then or, a, or an AB or something like that, he can execute that. Um, but what you've ended up with is a world where say under pressure, Cousins had the worst EPA per play he's had since he has been a Minnesota Viking. This is the worst he's been under pressure from an EPA per play perspective. Perhaps concerningly, the only time he was worse under pressure was when Kevin O'Connell was his quarterback's coach. Another really interesting thing that PFF has charted, and I am a little bit suspect of their charting thing here, of their charting method here, so I take it with a grain of salt, but it's still interesting, is their look distribution chart. 
Um, again, if you're watching on YouTube, visuals up. Essentially, this looks at things like, did you throw to your first read? Did you throw to your next read? Did you check it down? Was it a scramble drill? Or they have a, a category that's scheme, which is like screens and stuff that aren't really reads that are just sort of automatic things, now routes, that kind of thing. And I think this is the most telling thing of the whole PFF QB annual that tells you exactly how scheme betrayed Kirk Cousins, but also how Kirk Cousins' skill set is particularly difficult to scheme around and why like that becomes a, a big hurdle to get over if you want to build a contender. Um, so he threw to his first read a reasonably average amount of the time. On those throws, EPA per play was 0.26, which is pretty high. Um, per play, quarter of a point per play is, is a pretty good clip to be going at. Every other category was negative. Anytime he had to go from his first read to his next read, it was minus 0.07. If he had to check down, that was negative. If it was a scramble drill, it was especially negative with a lot of deep throws and absolutely piss poor accuracy. That's a lot of um, that's not necessarily throwing planned on the run. That's throwing off of weird platforms or throwing to odd places from odd angles, that kind of stuff. He was putrid at this, at least according to PFF's accuracy charting. Um, and half of the scramble drill balls that he threw were uncatchable. Um, so that's going to really screw it up. Now, he did make a, a, a few more of what they call big time throws, um, which are, you know, big old plays, touchdown worthy plays, that kind of thing. He did do better than average at that. And he did a good job of avoiding interceptions from there. But you can you can sense a bit of a, a pattern here. First read when the play works, everything's great. And then when you have to go to the next read, it doesn't work as well. When you have to go to a scramble drill, his performance totally torpedoes. And here's the deal. This is what what the 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 big hurdle is. You're going to have some scramble drills, dude. I don't care if you are the intersection of Bill Walsh and Don Coriel and Sean McVay, you're going to have some scramble drills. You're going to have to deal with it. And and somebody who takes those moments and turns them from broken plays into broken drives is always going to struggle. And the margin of error gets so thin, especially in the postseason or in those last few games, you know, where, where the division's on the line, that kind of stuff, that those mistakes, the scramble around and take a 10-yard sack kind of crap we see, the the strip sacks, the ill-advised interception kind of thing um, that we saw earlier in, in Kirk's time with Minnesota, all that stuff is so high leverage that the fact that he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league doesn't matter as much. But I do want to leave you with that. I want to let's let's talk a little bit about just the raw accuracy and go to a, a scout's perspective and just talk about raw ability here because I'm I'm narrowing in to a particular part that's very important that Kirk Cousins isn't good in to illustrate a point, but I want to zoom back out and talk about just general accuracy, which should be pretty exciting. PFF charts accuracy a few different ways. Um, they have an actual accuracy charting grid where they kind of say, okay, did you get the ball on people's bodies? Was it behind them, in front of them, high, low, that kind of thing? And on that axis, Kirk Cousins, I think, was the fourth most accurate quarterback in the league. Um, I, I think just absolutely insane and insane in a way that he hasn't been in previous iterations of the QB annual. What Kirk Cousins was for, I think, all of the last three years before this one was he was very good at their accurate, but not their accurate plus. And accurate plus is um, like their, oh, you nailed that. 
kind of bucket. They have a separate bucket for for throws that are total dimes, and then they have a bucket for throws that were good, but like they were fine, but the wide receiver had to do a little work. Um, and Kirk Cousins was always good at the 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 fine throws, but not as much at the dimes. This year he was good at the dimes, and that is an improvement. That's really good. That's awesome. Um, he was also very good at avoiding uncatchable or inaccurate passes. He was just one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. Now, that's always been a strength of his. That's not much of a surprise to me. Um, he's always, it's weird. He doesn't have the best mechanics. He's a little toesy on his feet. His timing isn't good. He has that ball pad. He has some bad habits in his mechanics, but he's always had the arm talent to be able to overcome that. And his mechanical problems have never been major enough where his arm talent can't overcome it and it's totally fine it's not like a, a kellen mond situation where mond has this really weird throwing motion and his arm can cash that check but kind of only in college with, with kirk cousins it's a lot more stable and consistent and reliable and you're gonna just get this every year if if you are listening to this and if you know a month from now kirk cousins has been traded and you're from that team you're listening to this to get to know kirk cousins this is what you get you get accuracy. That ball is going to be where it was meant to be. And it helps me evaluate Kirk Cousins, too, because if the ball is behind the receiver and I don't think it should have been behind the receiver, I kind of can give him the benefit of the doubt and say, OK, he did put that behind the receiver on purpose. Why did he do that? And was there a safety that he was throwing it away from or something like that? Or did he throw it into a safety and maybe that was a bad decision or something? But I can kind of take him on faith that he put the ball where he meant to put it. It makes him easier to evaluate, but it also just like plainly makes him a better quarterback. And that's really, really good. Like, I don't want to undersell that point that rules that he's really, really accurate. And he always has been. But I'm not going to stop there. Uh, PFF divvied this up by depth of target. They bucketed it um, and he was more accurate, more or less, the deeper that you went, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and from zero to nine yards, those were fine. But from an accuracy perspective, he was 10% more accurate than average on throws 10 or more yards. And that includes their 20 plus yard bucket. He did very well at throwing the ball deep. And it makes the whole thing so frustrating that he refused to. Uh, but that the, the, the ability is so very much there. And this is why he's so intoxicating. If you're in my camp, the camp of haters, uh, and, and, and you just can't wrap your mind around why a team like the Vikings, why would Kwesi, Adolfo Mensa, and Kevin O'Connell take over a team where Zimmer and Spielman just got fired off of a Kirk Cousins thing, kind of because of the failures of the Kirk Cousins-led Vikings, why would they come in and then, like, double down and commit more to Kirk Cousins. This is why. Because he puts the ball where he means to put it, and in my opinion, that's the most important quarterback trait. So, throwing away all my priors, and then looking at this, it confirms what all those priors were anyways. Kirk Cousins is a very accurate quarterback with great ability, right? Good arm strength, good accuracy. He will, he will dominate in shorts all the time. And then when the going gets tough, he absolutely turtles. He is very prone to taking the, the safe check down throw, even in situations where it doesn't make any sense, like a third and six, you're taking a check down at the line of scrimmage that's covered. Um, that kind of thing will always be so frustrating to me. And those are the moments that kind of separate the men from the boys. He's the kind of quarterback that could throw a ball through a tire a hundred times in a row. And then you get a defensive lineman bearing down on him. You get, uh, you know, a third and seven situation where you have to adjust the way you approach a progression. And he will 
at that that's where he dissolves. And that is why I am so vehemently against extending him. And this is coming from the guy who just put up an episode of this very podcast yesterday that said it's totally not about the cap. And if you're worried about the cap, listen to that episode. If you are of the opinion, if you totally disagree with me and you're of the opinion that you're like, no, 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 Kirk can totally be a good quarterback. He just needs good enough surroundings. But the problem is that he doesn't have the cap to get good enough surroundings. Like if that's your opinion, great. Go listen to yesterday's episode and you might come away believing that the Vikings can totally pull that off. And I think the Vikings think that they can totally pull that off. I am skeptical because I think even with better surroundings, like perfect, you know, the best offensive line in the league, you're still going to be in scramble drills. You know, the best played, best laid plans of mice and men, you know, never survive contact with the enemy or something. I don't know what the quote is, but like eventually you're going to have to make a play when that play isn't made for you by somebody else. And that is where I don't see the ability here. He is an executor. It's always what I've said. And and he thinks of himself that way, too. He describes himself as a CEO on the field. And he, he says, you know, you call it, I ball it. He talks about this all the time, that he is just, he wants to be an avatar of the coach, to be a, an extension of what the coach wants. But when you play that way, you're just not going to be able to handle things on the fly, to process quickly new information, to adapt to changing circumstances. It's never been his thing. It's never going to be his thing. Um, I I'll also link in the show notes. There's a great article from Arif Hassan from uh, like a month ago, ago or so about Kirk Cousins and kind of why that mentality will never change. But I truly believe that he doesn't want to change that mentality. I wish he would change that mentality, but he would disagree with me. He would say, no, 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 that would not be make me a better quarterback. And because I don't think he's going to change that mentality, I'm not going to change my opinion of him. Um, but it's still good to litigate that, go through the data and say, D do I see anything that's like different? And honestly, here's what I do see that's different. And I was, I thought he was pretty good in accuracy. He's phenomenal in accuracy. His accuracy was like, my opinion of him in accuracy was already high and it got higher. But outside of that, the data from the QB annual sort of, confirms what I already thought about Kirk Cousins. And I will say it again. It's not about his contract. It's about who he is. I'll leave you with that uh, here on, on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You can check out the Locked On NFL Draft podcast tomorrow. And I think, I think I'm just going to leave you with that. Check out the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Uh, they're doing some pretty awesome stuff, and it's kind of that, that time of year. So go check that out. Start getting yourself acclimated. I will catch up with you soon. I'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.